Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Morning, Tess. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm just sitting here with my new, my new mug. Um, just a big shout out to our time at here in Jen and Millie has yep. produced lovely gifts for me. If, yes, for you, very much so. <laughs> Two of which have been. I mean, let's hashtag connectedness a little bit already. Let's get started. Yep. Two of them being mugs. Both mm. of which have a connection to California. Mm-hmm. One is Haight Ashbury that came from yep. Bob in Columbus. Yeah. And then this um, beautiful mug. It's it's um, state of mine, like M I N E. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's a campfire mug, and it's California, and oh. it's from Janae, and I love it so much um, because it helps me to future cast. Um, at the apartment, um, I have now some of my um, photography up. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my daughter um, helped me put together a view. So I actually see it when I come in. It's my focal point when I come in um, the door. I see three places that I like to future cast about. Um, one is Grand Lake. And that's the big one that's on the wall. And the other is Sonoma, which is a picture that I took that I love. Mm-hmm. And the other is um, the San Diego Del Mar coastline. Yeah. Um, so I love that there's future casting all around me all the time. I get to practice. Um, what I teach and preach. Um, but also, I just think how fortunate I am that people hear what we're doing here yeah. on this podcast, and they know me well enough to read between the lines, mm-hmm. but they also know me well enough to say, I hear you, and I've been thinking about you, and mm-hmm. um, I want you to know yeah. that I am. And That's so awesome. I have a, a lot of gratitude for that. I also have a lot of gratitude for, um, we do love mugs, and we talk about mm-hmm. mugs a lot. We do. So do you like I, my mug? I do like your mug, and I was going to comment on it. It's a tea for Tess. It is. Um, and so we have talked about how I don't have a lot of mugs with words or letters on them. This was also a gift. Um, so this is actually from Jen. Uh, for Christmas, I think two years ago, she gave each of us on the team this mug with our respective initial and I think it's just so sweet all of the kind of floral pattern it's from anthropology uh yeah just it like looks so Scandinavian sweet. it does a little bit yeah very like Nordic um yeah Scandinavian yes. a little bit yeah we'll take pictures of our mugs and it looks it, in it the, looks boho-ish like something you would choose I definitely, I think I would choose something like this I don't I'm not a big like initial monogram person but I definitely like if it had not had my like initial on it, I think I would have definitely like picked it up myself. But I love that it does have it, my initial on it, because it's like a gift from somebody. I don't know that I would pick out an initial thing. Isn't that fascinating? The monogram, is it a craze? It's been around, I guess, forever. But forever, I'm not, I'm yeah. not into it either. Mm-mm. But a lot of people are. A lot of people are, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I was looking at um, a store and looking at some jewelry, and I always think this and. No offense to anyone who has one of these. Maybe you can help me understand. But when I see the the initial, the monogram necklaces, oh, yeah. like, because you, you aren't sure what your name starts with. I mean, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's like an, a, a part of identity, right? It's more a who you are. It's like, it reminds me of when someone wears like a crucifix or a cross. Like that's an identifier of faith, right? So your name is all encompassing. Your name tell, says so much about you. It's been with you forever. It 
you know, like if I were to think, I don't know that I could have a different name than my own. Like it's even odd to conceptualize life of not being Tess. And I'm sure the same with Allie and Allison, right? Yeah, except for, and I think we've talked about this. I'm, my name yeah. is very interesting because of mm-hmm. my adoption. So yeah. my birth name yep. was Camille. Yep. My birth last name was Bresnahan. Yep. Then would have been Johnson. Mm-hmm. But then... I became Allison Horn. Yep. And then I was Allison yeah. Horn Edgecombe. And then Allison Horn Fuhrer. And yep. now Allison <laughs> Horn. And so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I think you have an, a, an interesting. You have an interesting situation because you've gone through so many names, right? And so many. Seriously, though, like I have only ever had my name. It's never changed. It's never been different. Tess Elizabeth Starman is what's on my birth certificate. I love the name Elizabeth. Right? Like, it's just that's my initials are Tess, right? Which is kind of funny, T-E-S. Um, but this has always been my name. Like, I've never had a hyphen. I've never had it. I tried to go by Tessa one summer to, like, road test it because I thought <laughs> Tess was too, like, basic to just – people always ask me, is that your full name? And I'm like, yep, that's it. And You could, like, make something up. Tessarina. I, Tessa Bell is what actually a lot of people in high school call oh. me um, because we did actually a um, – our powder puff football team, we were, like – we dressed up as princesses and played football. And so on the backs of our – Cannot believe you did right, that. I know. On the backs of our jersey, we had fanciful names is what we called them. So all of our names were elongated or something and so we were like what do we do with Tess like nobody knew so Tess about <laughs> is what I was called but um side note when we were in South Dakota um and, which I'm just returning from we did a student presentation and Des Moines takes questions from the from the students mm-hmm. and he usually says is is it a teammate's question because they'll say things like you know, what position did you play mm-hmm. and did you play for the Packers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, my eyes just glaze over because I yeah. don't even know what these positions are. <laughs> but this girl raised her hand and she said, can you teach us anything about football? And I thought it was so interesting that she asked that. And then I noticed that the teachers and the students, he was like, yeah, I can show you a, a you know, I can show you a defensive play. Mm-hmm. So he brings her out onto the, you know, yeah. middle of the gym floor and she was all about it, but everybody was kind of clapping and woohooing. I found out later she plays. She yes. is the only female player for this yes. um, for Rapid City uh, North Middle School, and I thought it was so fascinating that she would say that, but she never said a word, mm-hmm. and she completely acted like she had no idea what he was talking about, mm-hmm. and did the play. Later on, I I learned about that. I would have, and this is so ironic. And I was thinking about this. I loved playing football. Yeah. And I would have played football, been given the chance. I would have absolutely done yeah. that. Even though, ironically, I kind of went against the norm when it was in the 90s when I was growing up. It was the it thing yeah. in Nebraska. Um, and I really didn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Didn't really follow it. Still don't know anything about it. But I would have loved playing. So on the yeah. playground, that was one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. was play football. Because I could run. Um, and I was quick. Mm-hmm. So... Thought, I thought about that. It's just kind of an ironic um, sort of thing. But to envision you, Tess, I mean, powder puff football even goes against your, your every yeah. being. Yeah, oh, for sure. It was, rough. it was like, super fun in my competitive nature. I broke um, a finger um, while playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh, it was so it was so much fun, and I because I felt like I got to channel some of that. Um, but yeah, that that year was especially hard where we dressed like super girly. But in previous years, like we had different themes, but it was always a thing around homecoming week yeah. um, that we would yeah there were like two teams per grade and we would play, and so everyone kind of got around it. So being on student council and things like that, it yep. was like of course all in for it. Even though yeah, ideologically it was a bit tough for me to grasp. But, and so when and we- the fact that it was flag, I advocated to make it tackle. <laughs> but <they didn't. laughs> the fact that we already had injuries at flag football is not a good sign. <laughs> so while we were in South Dakota, um, most schools were participating in homecoming week. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's really interesting how our themes yeah. during homecoming week have shifted and changed uh-huh. um, oh, yeah. for good reason in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about that, and I would love to ponder, and I haven't thought about this enough, but what was your favorite spirit day? And one that I really loved and got completely into was Maroon and White Day, which were our school colors. Okay, yeah. But, you know, being a cheerleader, it, it made yeah. it easy. Um, but when we were visiting, um, we visited with a potential school, and the school staff was participating in school yes. spirit. And that's what I've noticed, too, is you see more school staff members participating. Yeah. So they were doing their favorite Disney character the next day, but that day um, was Wear Your School Spirit. And so people had all kinds of, you know, obviously school colors, but then the teacher had her hair colored, um, kind of a a reddish burgundy, and then Mm -hmm. she had her um, hair up in in like two Princess Leia buns on the sides. So I thought about that because School Spirit Week was, Mm -hmm. uh, that was my favorite week of the year. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was Christmas for me. And I was on student council, and so yep. I was able to come, you know, help come up with some of these ideas. Oh, yeah. yep. But I would love to hear from our listeners, like their favorite school spirit mm-hmm. um, day or homecoming, and what that looked like and why. Yeah. Did your homecomings have themes? Mm-hmm. Ours did too. So did our proms, and they're terrible. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> oh my Every gosh. rose has its thorn. Is one oh of them. Oh my gosh! Of course. I mean, that really. <laughs> I think November rain might be one of them too, and it was in the spring for prom. Anyway, we um, I think that would be a great conversation starter yeah. for us generationally. Mm. Um, what was if you look back at your homecoming and prom themes, yeah. what was the worst? What was the worst? Oh, so our, one of ours probably the worst, which I don't even know if anyone remembers, but um, our. Freshman actually powder puff theme was the Flava Flay freshman like Flava we wore Flay. yeah and we had t-shirts made where we had these big clocks in the middle of the t-shirt <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember Flava Flay um, oh yeah. that's good so that was our um, yeah so I think that was definitely the worst and the most in time theme that can't transcend time limits but my favorite day spirit day was always pajama day. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that was my absolute favorite day. It was because I had this pair of like onesie pink polka dot pajamas and I would walk around with a stuffed animal and everyone was just so cozy and it was like, oh my gosh, a big slumber party with the whole Danish theme long before you knew. Oh yeah, it was like Hugue long before Hugue was cool. (laughs) So I would love to hear that. That'll be one of our follow-up questions. What was your worst homecoming theme and then what was Mm -hmm. your favorite day of of Spirit Week? Because it is such a... um, it's a great time of year yeah. for a lot of students yeah. with the way that they get to dress up and, and be in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Sean and Lauren dressing up for, which was themed as Nerd Day, I think. And Sean has a t-shirt on that says, Blame My Sister. <laughs> That's good. 
was good. That's good. Very accurate. Oh man. So, so okay, before we lean into the topics we're gonna discuss, we I wanted to debrief strengths today really quick. Yes. Because we had we have not done that yet. We have not met since then. So what are like a few takeaways from Strengths Day? What did you like about it this year? Heart connection, mm-hmm. deep respect for one another. We yeah. for whatever reason in that space create a safe container for people to feel comfortable sharing. And I just, I love that we can allow people to be vulnerable and be heard and be encouraged. I mean, just to see so many people nodding and supporting and there was a lot of emotion. Yeah. And I think we're grownups kind of, and (laughs) we need to take the time to write, to to create a house and say, these are my values. And this is, Mm -hmm. these are my proud of moments. And these are the people who support me. And this is what matters to me, but you're closing and I know that came off the cuff. Oh, yeah. Because you pointed at me and I pointed back at you. <laughs> and you tied all of that into what's your why, mm-hmm. which was a great tie into the activity that we had yeah. done earlier in the day. And so, really, for me, it was the value of hearing why those 50 people in that room would show up and spend a day with us. Yeah. Why they would be willing to give their time and their talent to teammates. Why they would be willing to, to show up for a long learning day and then want to take that learning back but so much around their why and then to think about how many students I mean are we asking those kinds of questions and if we're not how can we do a better job doing that Mm -hmm. so my hope is by the end of this semester that Haley and I create her house Mm -hmm. um, and we talk through that activity it was a great one I'm glad that we decided to do it I think Um, I've heard a lot of feedback and I'm very grateful for this, that you and I teach well together. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's always powerful to have Lauren around because she's so brutally honest with me. You know, your outfit looks terrible and you shouldn't have said that. Those are her favorite things to say. (laughs) But to hear her say, wow, you two know one another Mm -hmm. and you know when to come in and when to step back. And I've heard that from a lot of people that you, you and Tess, teach really well together and we do and I'm super grateful Mm. for that and then just to watch you I mean I I work on not doing the mom face in the back (laughs) but your closing was so good so I've asked people who are new to strengths you know what's your what was your takeaway what you know what'd you think and a lot of them said oh wow Tessa's closing was Oh my gosh, which is so funny because that's adaptability in action because I had not planned. I mean, I was going to cover it, but like the final closing, I was like, oh, I leave that up to Allie because you always close really well. And I like got choked up, like thinking about, we showed the Michael J video about knowing your why and his like punchline of the video is, you know, when you know your why, your what becomes more powerful. And, um, and I just kept thinking like there was so much connection with what we were doing with the house activity, but then also like. I feel like a lot of people during the time of planning, because we leave Strengths Day so open, I think a lot of people get a little scared during the planning part because there is so much unknown. Like if we gave them a script of 8 a.m. mentor training and a 10 a.m. school staff and 11 we meet with mentees, right? If we gave them a very prescriptive show of what strengths a strengths day looks like when they do that planning time of strengths in their own community um, I feel like people would be more comfortable but it's not as fun because it's not as unique and catered to 
the individual community. So we leave it very open-ended for people to say, plan this based on the needs of your community. If you need us to talk to your school staff members, if you need us to meet with students or you want to do students separately, we leave all of that open. And I feel like that makes people scared. Like I had a lot of people come over and say, okay, like, so explain it to me again. Yeah, send me a plan. Send me, you know, send me exactly what, how we're supposed to do this. And, and we don't like to do that. Um, we don't like to box those days in. And so I just kept thinking like, there's a lot that goes into this. And I think that's a lot of the reason why in previous years, we've had people come to that day and be energized, but then nothing happens because there are a lot of details and it's easy to capture engagement that day when we're there. But then when we try to recapture it and continue that energy at a later point in time we get so caught up in the details and logistics of doing it so I just like was kind of struck by the fact that yes there is a lot that goes into it and we need to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. um but there's an even greater why like and and that's like one of the phrases that actually one of my friends at church told me once that has stuck with me at all times she said um may your yeses be bigger than your no's Mm -hmm. or may your yes be bigger than your no's like you're gonna have to say no to a lot of things to make happen what you want to happen in your life but the yes of what you want to happen that end result should propel you to have the discipline to say no to the other Mm -hmm. things and she was talking about it in terms of the spiritual growth within someone's life but I think the same thing is true even when we implement strengths in communities that it's going to require having difficult conversations to maybe pull kids out of class and to talk with you know staff members which you know we always know isn't the the most jovial group of people to talk to all the time and you know, all these things that there's a lot that goes into place, but in the end, the 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 end result of all of that work is so, so worth it when we mm-hmm. think about that and keep that in mind. And you're right, I got like choked up. Like I don't normally get choked up presenting, so good. but I kind of got I, choked up. <laughs> I think what you're referring to is discernment. Yeah. And for us to think through mm-hmm. how do we do this. If, if you and I set a plan for people or even made suggestions on, oh, well, here's what you could do we would miss out on so much. So I think about our most meaningful strengths days and strengths trainings have been because it came from the coordinators, their creative mind. Yeah. So I'm thinking coming up in Mm COSAD, Marcy's got a great day plan that we would never have put together because she's thinking about logistically, but also engagement wise. Um, I'm thinking about the day that we had in Holdridge where you looked around the room and there was some, you know, Play-Doh and that's what we did. The day mm-hmm. that I spent in Mullen. Yeah. You know, if we get too prescriptive Boxing, and too yep. and too planny, mm-hmm. those creative things don't happen. Yeah. I also loved the Lego activity, which yes. was not something that I really mm-hmm. thought would work. And I loved how that came together. Oh, it was so great. We did a good job this year, I think, in making sure that we had kinesthetic breaks. We had time mm-hmm. for learning, but we had time for fun, and then we had time for, for deep Heart work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important that we can make that connection so that when people do go back to their communities, mm-hmm. they're thinking about how can I make that connection for a mentor who comes in just one time a week. Yeah. We get these coordinators and these board members just one time a year. Yeah. And I hope people know how much we care about whether or not they have a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm worried about was the food okay? I'm worried about, yeah. you know, I loved what Jerlene said. I loved having Jim come in. Mm-hmm. I loved that we just think every year we think, how can we make mm-hmm. this a more meaningful experience? Yeah. And every year we come back to mm-hmm. every single person has to have a chance yeah. to use their voice and share their story. Yeah. And I'm glad that we do that because I don't know that we do that enough for people universally. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Oh, also, awesome. um, a great big takeaway um, for me is again back to checking my expectations and assumptions. I make assumptions all the time, mm, yeah. subconsciously, and the people who shared mm. blew my mind. Yeah. I was not expecting some things that just, I mean, even my own daughter, mm-hmm. who I know very well, blew yeah. my mind with what she said. And so I have to constantly, not always are my assumptions negative, yeah. but just the fact that I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, Which we all do, right? We're all making subconscious and implicit inferences about what we observe and what mm-hmm. we see and how we interact and what we've seen before right. um, that we then cater our current responses to. But it's neat when I think there's um, someone who defeats those expectations yes. right, or defies what we yes. assume is going to happen. I love um, those kinds yeah. of surprises. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, they're my favorite kind, along with getting gifts in the mail related to this podcast. Those <laughs> are my favorite surprises. If you don't surprises. get enough, like, implicit messages to send Allie more <laughs> gifts in the mail. But I do, um, <clears throat> surprises have been mm-hmm. a hard thing for me this yeah. year. Um, yeah. Surprises that have not all been positive and not expected and assumptions that I was making and so noticing those that are very positive is really important to me which is so so funny because we've talked about how we both both approach surprises and you love surprises I do but with an openness to surprises then you acknowledge that comes with an openness to negative surprises yes yeah and not being prepared and assumptions Mm -hmm. being completely off um so Mm. I've learned a lot in the last Mm. six months about that good I've also been oh. trying to do my homework. So Tess and I talked about how I could point a strength, and the strength that I've been trying to acknowledge and really claim more and see more within myself is the strength of connectedness, which I believe is in my top ten, but I don't know exactly where, and Tess probably does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to verify, so, but I think it's eight for you. So I do see it. But sometimes I don't, but I've been trying. I've been um, more aware. And then I love the, so Freeman uh, schools, they're just doing a rock star job with the way that they lift strengths. It's eight, yeah. Connected is is my number eight. Yep. Tess is correct. Um, Freeman does a great job with social media. I follow them on Twitter. They do a wonderful job talking about strengths they have. People share about their strength in action, but I love this um, kind of a, it's a week. It's a strength of the week. um, And it's kind of their newsletter that comes out on Monday. I just love it. And of course, with my input, I would love something like this. And I've been saving all of them. So Terry, thank you for sending this on to me. Um, But they do a, a strengths explorer theme each week. And they do a strengths finder theme each week. And this week just happens to be connectedness. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, here it is popping okay. up for me. So maybe I'll take a peek as to huh. what connectedness is about. Now, <laughs> we often talk here about catchphrases. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that I had one <laughs> until recently. I listened to other people share my words. Yeah. So the mentor training video is my language mm-hmm. the some of the language that we use to describe teammates about being a promise keeper yep. about doing what we say we're going to do um, those are things that I have said mm-hmm. um, and language that I came up with early on um, that just helped me make a point stick mm-hmm. so I realized that one of my catchphrases is uh, heart work and a year ago at this time we did a podcast it showed up on my time hop today on our new um 
roles, our new titles that we had done oh, at staff yeah, day. We shared about those and mine yep. was the designer of heartwork. Yeah. Heartwork is something that I say a lot. It was a phrase that, that came to me and I use it. And then I often say, I want you should step out. Let's step out and take a broader view. Let's step out and look at this from a higher perspective, from a bigger perspective. And so when I was reading this, <laughs> here's just and, and this is what I love is they're really quick quips. So Clifton Strengths of the Week. People with connectedness have faith in the links between all things. Believe there are few coincidences and that all things have meaning. Know how to connect with people and see how they're connected to each individual and the world. In South Dakota, a gentleman walked in, his name is Dave, and he said something about being from North Platte. I immediately went to Annette, then I went to um, Annie and Amy and Dan Twirling, and then I went to Doan, and then he went to Marty Fight, and it was just like boom, 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 boom. Making yep. a gazillion connections. Of course. I always do that. I assume that was woo. Hmm. I think for me, when I'm understanding how everyone is connected, mm-hmm. that is connectedness for me. It's yeah. a deeper level. It's my adoption story. It's mm-hmm. my family story. It's my reason for being story. Yeah. How to lead people with connectedness. Get to know them. They have a deep social issue, faith, or spirituality they believe in. You have built trust with them if they can talk about it with you. Hmm. That is very true about me. Look for opportunities that they can be team builders. They have a great aerial view of the world. (laughs) Encourage them to talk with others who have connectedness to compare how they use their connectedness to view the world. Yeah. Share articles, writings, and experiences that you both can understand. Okay, so I have to even laugh about this because talking about the different ways in which they view the world, literally that's our tagline for this podcast. I know. And you have Connectedness 8. It's number 6 for me. We both have it in our top 10. But it's so different. It's so, it, But it's so, so different because we come from different generational perspectives and we have different faiths that undergird yes. our, our views on the world and we have different strengths, right? So I love seeing the connections between people, um, but it doesn't necessarily give me the energy and life to like physically make those connections. And so I'm sure for you, connectedness plus woo looks a lot like loving to find the connections, but if the two people are in the room and you can connect them and then physically introduce them to each other I'm sure that gives you a lot of energy so I think about some of my favorite coaching exercises it's the board board of directors exercise it's the support circle exercise Mm -hmm. it's the who's in your world and how can I make those connections Mm -hmm. and then I started thinking about all the people in my life that I've introduced Mm -hmm. Hmm. and some of them have married (laughs) and had children yeah and so I was thinking hmm hmm So, Tess, I am very grateful that you are helping me to understand Mm -hmm. that strengths that I don't even claim, and I hope people will think about this, strengths that aren't in your top five, all 34 of these Mm -hmm. amazing talent themes are within you somewhere. Some of them you have to work harder to to grasp. Mm -hmm. Some of them come easier to others, so you lean in on others, and we're going to talk about that. But Mm -hmm. also, I think, for me, I just... I want to own and love and claim my top five so much mm-hmm. that I always just assume, back to that assumptions. All of your behavior is coming from that. And it's not. Mm-hmm. My connectedness is mm-hmm. very much a part mm-hmm. of my inner being, but I put connectedness with Maury. So my connectedness, I don't have connectedness because that's Maury's. It looks only like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. Where I think it is a lot like. Um, 
it can be a lot like belief, right? And, and yes. we talk about how, how different those are. We try to differentiate those two strengths a lot, but I think they're very similar in the fact that they will look very different on people based on what their values are, what their life experiences are, what if they ascribe to a traditional faith or not, things like that that really morph it. Right into a different like it makes it look very different depending on the person and those blends which I mean a great credit to Kurt Liesfeld and the work that he did on theme blends and how much that taught me so you and I with connectedness Mm -hmm. my connectedness plus input looks like discernment Mm -hmm. your connectedness plus an election looks like contemplation yeah very much so and so when I'm Mm. thinking about that I'm thinking all of these theme blends I mean, the statistics on those are completely outrageous. Yeah. When you think about the likelihood yeah. of someone having input plus connectedness or even thinking about the way that it works. Yeah. So I'm now able that. to take hmm. my catchphrases, which I at conference didn't think I had one, and then realized this week in South Dakota that my catchphrases are intertwined with all of all the of language that, mm-hmm. that is used within teammates. Yep. And I think that shook me because I think in my 10 years here, I don't know that I've contributed. Oh, my goodness. Truly. And then I heard the language not spoken by me and thought, yeah, wait, Mm -hmm. like that came to me once. How full is your bucket? That book I took to Minden. Because someone had suggested it to me. I took it to Minden and I thought, how can I use this in a closing? And just did it. Yeah. I have. I don't have high adaptability, but when I have a group, I'm trying really hard. That unique awesome? Yeah. I don't know when that came to me or how that came to me. That just came to me. Because I'm always trying to engage the group. Yeah. And i got to use my tools, mm-hmm. my input, communication, strategic group, empathy all the time. Your how achiever, your them? individualization, your my connectedness, your positivity. Yep. How do mm-hmm. I bring them in? Yep. Because these people are going to spend time with me. And if I can't mm-hmm. connect with them, hello, if I can't connect with them, they're not going to connect with teammates. I'm the first impression sometimes, and I feel yeah. a great responsibility for that. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I also want to spot one that I don't know that we've ever talked about a whole lot, but you've learned her in your top 10 as yes. well. Yes. And I think part of that, your willingness to try new things and road test that also has to do with your learner. Right. But my learner lacks adaptability. So I see learner as your learner adaptability blend, but which learner, is assumptions that I got to work on. Which is assumptions, but also there's something about learner that has a natural ability to be flexible because you want to try new acquired knowledge. It's the growth it mindset for me. Yeah. It isn't about it isn't about having the, the talent of adaptability along with it that makes it look like new and fresh. Like new and fresh comes naturally in learner because you always want to acquire more knowledge or, or Google something new mm-hmm. or try out and share the new knowledge that you have with somebody else so the fact that you know someone suggested this book to you and you went and road tested it I think that's a lot of your learner probably your learner plus if it's empathy woo connectedness that has a read on the room so you were road testing this new information um, and you were then receiving real-time feedback okay so an activity that I thought of mm-hmm. that would you'd have to do this carefully okay um but I would love for people to open their open windows on their phone. 
Do you close yours out all the time? I close mine out all the time. Okay, Sorry. well, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any I don't, so there's a gazillion in here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, Such a waste of the battery. Oh, the, Rose of Jer- the Rose of Jericho is a plant that I'm interested in. That's open. The Never List by Beauty Counter is open. Um, the Sale that Sookie did, okay. that's open. I don't even know how long ago she told me about that. The Moon Phases calendar, oh of course, gosh. that's open. Um, my blog. Um, the... Um, What's it called? The um, your sleep. What you're supposed to listen to. Okay. It's a certain um, frequency. Frequency. Yeah, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's open. Oh um, the Marco Polo app that I learned about. Yeah. At at Gallup, <laughs> that's open. Um, I'm also looking into some makeup tips. I learned about a store called Alter Ego in um, oh. San, uh, South Dakota. Okay. It's an online boutique. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, learned about that. Um, learned about this new. Um, it's a roll-on um, scent called Skyler. Um, I learned about Jess's dad oh or father-in-law, mm-hmm. um, who was a phenomenal philanthropist, and I ordered the book. Yep. There's an article about him. Oh my gosh! Okay, so that's that's so much. that's in the, okay. That's input and learner overload. Like that's anxiety provoking. What? Oh my gosh! That is so much. Okay, but this is clean. So my main screen is clean, but my open windows. Because I like to leave them open because I haven't yet totally... I close them out when I'm done learning about it. My open windows. There are not. <laughs> oh. What? You no. don't have any. I don't have any. Because I close them out. This morning I had to learn how to do a seated row modification because my um, new gym... Ugh, at, the, at the place. It's not a gym really, mm-hmm. but it's like going to a yep. hotel. I had to figure out how to do a seated roll without the pulley. So I looked that up. Um, okay. Anyway, moving on. Because so this I think this minutes. is a great conversation. <laughs> what are your open windows? And I have none. So what does that say? <laughs> I want to know. What does that say? Ooh, a strategic plus learner. For me, that when I go to something and I learn about it, I will say I did have one open window yesterday that I left open and didn't close out right away. Normally, I close them out right away. Um, and it was um, a suggestion by my mentee of an activity we're going to do next week. And so she wanted this, we usually do like slime close to the beginning, but she wanted to do this other thing. And so I um, opened the window and searched it there and then left it open so that when I left my mentoring time, I could get the ingredients and buy them and bring them next time. Um, but I screenshotted the recipe when I got there. So maybe screenshots is a better idea. I have that too. That. I do have a lot of, of those as well. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I think, but I think I would, I would presume, which is kind of, interesting that people who would close out all their windows might be people with high discipline, um, high achiever that wants to get it done and get it checked off and get it removed. But I don't have a lot of those things super high, but I think it's that strategic. So the reason I thought of this today was I thought of Jim plugging his phone in during Gallup Day and seeing 800 Oh unopened gosh. emails Mm-mm. and you could see people in the room <laughs> oh yeah uh, there was a lot of just anxiety I that's how I feel about notifications for response which I think is my communication yeah but my open windows are related to my learner input oh absolutely so I think that'd be such an easy strengths mm-hmm. dialogue you could do on a plane you yeah. could do that you know with a group yeah. tell me what's on your phone which okay so I wonder if because you keep them all open if that's because you have such higher input so we have learner and input flipped in terms of frequency you've input in your top five and I have learner in mine and I have input in my 
six through ten and you have learner in your six through ten like inputs 10 for me um and so i think that looks a lot more like so when you talked about your love of pinterest i don't like pinterest because pinterest is overwhelming for me i want one answer to my one question that i can continue to dive further into if that answer does not suffice but there are five different pico recipes that one may be what you need no way too overwhelming. Too overwhelming. So that's, I think, maybe the difference between why oh, you so have all those soothes me. It soothes oh me gosh. at night. It just makes me sleepy because I think there's so <gasps> much out there. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> all right. So connectedness. Thank you, Tess, yes, for helping yes. me to practice oh this. Oh, my gosh. It's so present. I want to make a call out. If When you see and how you see Allie's connectedness, let us know because I think it's so present. And I think you're right that it's under-recognized in you. And I've really tried to call that out in you because I think it's so um, it's so all-encompassing to who you are. And I think that's the hard part about strength sometimes is mm-hmm. that so much of them until we name them, but also have other people call them out in us, we don't really realize that that is what makes us unique, right? Like, so my context, I always go back to when you were all the way back when Suzanne's old office and the old, old office was a conference room still. And you went through my top five with me and you talked about context. I was like, gosh, I just thought that was something weird about me or I didn't really realize that that made me so different than other people. Uniquely awesome. Uniquely awesome, right? But it took the naming of the assessment. It took your affirming that strength in me and then the continual affirmation of it to recognize that it is a talent. It is something that's unique about me. Um, that I can wield and I can aim um, to make life better and to serve the people around me even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that we get sometimes worried about naming a strength for someone if it's not in their top five. And we think, oh, I offended you because I don't know your top five. Um, I don't have that memorized. So I just name learner in you and it's not in your top five. I think it's great when we name any strength that we see yeah. in action yeah. because sometimes those are going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, leaning into other people's strengths Mm-hmm. is a really important piece of what I do and being challenged by others to name strengths that I don't necessarily yeah. see in myself. That's a good thing to practice. Okay. And then it even helps, I think, your um, continual self-awareness and inquiry, right? Like we talk a lot about in the office, people are surprised I don't have high competition. It's in my bottom five and I love to be competitive. And it was in a, another dialogue about why I don't have high competition that it kind of clicked. I have high self-assurance. And it isn't in my top 10, so it doesn't show up on a lot of our charts, um, but it's 13 for me, so it pops up quite a bit. And my competition is around the places where I know I can win. If I have the skill in that area, then I'm very competitive. But it's not from the the pure talent of competition, but from a place of self-assurance and assurance of my own ability to rise to the top. Yes. Yeah. I so see it that. takes other people and other people identifying talent that they're seeing the behavior as something, which definitely could be that raw theme, but also, or that theme itself, but also could be something else that when you realize that it's recognized, something that's uniquely awesome about you, that you start to muse and wonder and ponder why they're interpreting it that way. And it could be that strength or it could be another strength or a blend of strengths that right. come out. Right. Hmm. Fascinating. Hmm. Okay. So leaning into others. Leaning into others. Okay. So we wanted to talk about this because I think you and I have a a good track record of working together. We work really well together. So when Gallup talks about 
we all have lesser talents and they're starting to call them weaknesses or your bottom five. And when I talk with people and, and I've coached people that have gone and invested in their full 34. Um, and when I, the way that I have learned to teach the bottom five to people or the bottom talents to people is around the idea that here's are where your limitations lie. That you will work and work and work, right? So I have low discipline. I can work and work and work to be disciplined, but it's going to drain my energy and you're never going to get great results from me if you ask me to be disciplined. I can do it. I can manage, right? Mm -hmm. But you're never going to get greatness out of me if you expect me to be disciplined or you expect Mm -hmm. me futuristic as second to last for me. If you expect me to have this crystal clear vision of where we're going for Mm -hmm. the future. Um, So you can ask that and certain environments ask that of us. But Gallup says that really those lesser talents, you can work and work, but you're only ever going to get to mediocrity. You're never going to get to excellence. And so the ways that you can work around those lesser talents, you can mitigate them, is either by a great um, theme, theme blend within your top 10, your dominant themes, or even your kind of middle supporting themes. So finding something like discipline for me out of my strategic and context maybe. Um, But then um, really the great and the most powerful way that I think is by finding great complementary partners. Mm -hmm. So finding somebody who has differing strengths than you do to help... um, yeah, complement uh, right. your own talents within a team or within a partnership. Um, yeah, so I guess you want to talk about that a bit. It's sometimes hard to ask for help. And it's really hard sometimes to ask for help and not think or think you're appearing needy. Yeah. So I have chosen very strategically to lean in on the strengths of others during this time of mm-hmm. what I feel like is a lot of fog. I'm not good at decision-making. I also don't really feel like doing certain things, but things that need to be done. So I waited, which is not like me, but I waited um, until this past weekend to put some things together as far as decorating. And I asked my mom and I asked my daughter to come and do that Mm -hmm. because not only are they really good at it, but they love to do it. And I really had to step back and be quiet. So they started taking all the covers off my books, which made me very anxious. I was like, wait, what are you doing? Um, Because I don't organize my books by color contrast of the, there's no aesthetic. It's Mm -hmm. books that I love or Mm -hmm. books in a certain theme or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And they just kind of set me over here (laughs) to the side and said, let us do this. And I love, love the end result. I love how they work together, and there seems to be a generational gap um, between, so my mom and my daughter have really very similar talents mm-hmm. when it comes to um, organizing, comes to cooking. They're both very adaptable um, chefs, so they'll take what's in the fridge, and Lauren has always been good at this, even as a little kid. She would take what was in the fridge and make it. I can't do that. My brain doesn't work that way. I'm thinking, well, you have to have this in order to have this. And my mom just takes, well, you know, I've got 50 tomatoes, so I'm going to make tomato basil soup, then I'm going to make a marinara, and then I'm going to, you know, make this and this and this. She just takes the leftover, which I think she got from my grandma, who had 11 children, and my grandma was really good at utilizing what she had. But it skipped me, and (laughs) DNA went to Lauren. And so when I get to see the two of them, and this is my biological mom, by the way, when I get to see the two of them in action and working together, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. But also 
they do this better than I do. And so instead of me feeling like I need to be in control and say this is my place and it needs to do I need to do it, I just said, you, you tell me, what do you think? Yeah. And it really, the end result is quite nice. Mm. I've been trying to do more of that. Um, I am learning that control is a big issue for me. Mm. I have been a team of one in my time here, in my role here. And now I have Anna coming on board Mm -hmm. and I feel a sense of responsibility. Like I should be doing all this. I should be making sure it's all okay. And actually when I let Anna just do Anna's thing, she does a great job. Yeah. Um, I at first felt like I was just giving her too many things. I didn't want her to feel overwhelmed, and a, and a busy Anna is a happy Anna. Mm-hmm. So when I said, okay, here you go, it's gone really well. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. And when I let her do her own thing, great things happen, and she's making our match support team a better yeah. team. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think it's, and generationally too, Yeah. That's, that's not how I was raised. It was, you are self-sufficient, you do it yourself, you Mm -hmm. you go to college, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you don't really lean in and say, I need help. I think that's the beauty of the Gallup philosophy, though, is that actually when you lean in, you make an even better end result because Mm -hmm. of the difference in talent that's represented on the team. And I think you're right. I mean, I'm in a very similar place, too, that I feel like a lot of my work is very autonomous Mm -hmm. and different people reach out to me from different teams. I'm on a great team, Um, but a lot of my work is independent. And Mm -hmm. so, but I love when I get to and I take the time to pause and welcome other people into the conversation. And I think that's where the power happens when I take a step back. I mean, we made a lot of changes to um, serve this year when I took a step back and I did focus groups with the um, the RC team and I asked them for feedback from program coordinators and um, the things that I, I changed are all from the other voices of people that I wouldn't have been aware of um, had I not paused to ask their opinion or thoughts on the on the topic itself um, and it made an even better end result mm-hmm. and so I think that's the beautiful thing and I and I wonder um, we work really well together so I think we're a little biased we're probably this is probably the the best partnership that I've had working partnership because we do kind of get each other and jive each other well why do you think what do you think makes our working relationship work really well um how we can just meet each other's needs and know each other well and then if you can think of an example of not great partnerships what was missing so I, i have been thinking about this actually yeah there's a lot of there was immediate trust between the two of us. And I don't Mm. know why, but I think it has a lot to do with mutual respect. Mm. So I think that you're brilliant. I think that you're completely mature and very, very capable of doing amazing things. Mm. I sensed that right away about you. So I had Mm. no hesitation in, oh, do I bring this person on to the team? Because I was a team of one then too. Um, But also I saw passion, I saw purpose, I saw intention. So even though, I don't know where Relator is for me. You not probably in, do. Not in your top 10. So even though Relator is not high for me, when it comes to professionalism mm-hmm. and the workplace, sure. I feel like Relator skyrockets to the top because mm-hmm. I need to know that you've got my back. Yep. I need to know that you are um, completely professional and also capable. So when I have not had good partnerships, it's been in my mind, and it could be just in my mind, there's a lack of competency, Mm. and you have cut me. 
you've stabbed me in the back, and probably not one time, probably five times. So you can stab me a lot, and I'll usually take it and forgive and forgive and forgive. I, I trust you until I have a reason not to. So when I look at partnerships that didn't work, it's because somebody cut me like six times. Mm-hmm. And the fifth time I said, wow, this is, mm-hmm. this is becoming a pattern. Yeah. The other thing is lack of competency or my view of professionalism. Sure. If that's lacking, it's really tough for me. And that's both personal, professional, in all things. I mean, I think back to some, some jobs that I had in the past. Um, I think I've said this on here before, but I was a church secretary. And I worked very closely with Linda, who did the books. And Linda is brilliant and smart and funny and completely competent. I mean, beyond. I couldn't even believe that. I mean, she was basically CPA level doing the books for the church. I could completely count on her. Mm-hmm. There was another person that was on the church board that had a very high leadership role that could not keep track of things, was always losing things, was always saying something and meaning something else, and then stabbing me in the back because I was church secretary and easy to blame. Mm-hmm. That never worked. It never worked because to me, there was a lack of professionalism, a lack of competency, mm-hmm. but then also I gave you six tries to you know, not stab yeah. me. And you did anyway. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, we're all, we all show up selfishly. Yeah. And I've even tried to investigate that a little bit for myself because sometimes I can for sure see it in other people. <laughs> but also like your, you even said it, that it a lot has to do with your view of professionalism, which isn't yes. necessarily other people's it's, view. And of it's not the truth necessarily. Yeah, yeah and it's it, not absolute. It yeah. could be an assumption mm-hmm. that I'm making. So mm-hmm. you basically honored all of those things that are really important mm-hmm. to me from the beginning. Hmm. So I'll ask you the same question. Why do you think this works? And then whatever kind of partnership that hasn't worked, why not? Why not? Hmm. I think you're right about that mutual respect. I'm trying to think back to that early time and like when we, yeah, we're first working with each other. And I think the way that you approached work was just very compelling for me that it was always heart first Mm -hmm. and that you exemplified purpose and mission and like and and I think for me a lot of it has to do with integrity which is probably a lot of what it sounds like yours is too is that you were the same person when you talked about the passionate nature of mentoring and the importance of an adult and young person's life up in front of a mentor training as you were when we were looking at training evaluations in a report yeah right like it was like it was the same and it didn't matter who was there who was listening who was around the table that if some someone conflicted with that purpose and mission it really didn't matter who they were and I appreciated that because I am I mean this is my own struggle too and like kind of how you were talking about yours like I will have no problem questioning authority if I feel like they are going against um, the mission and purpose. And I feel like you are in a, a lot in that vein too. And it definitely gets me into trouble. It's gotten me into trouble. Um, but in the end, I think there are these core pillars to who we are as people that if anything breaks in that or anyone says anything that conflicts with that, that automatically my integrity radar is like, it, it drops 
Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, if you are saying those things, yet you believe this, yet you're acting in this way, and all mm-hmm. those things don't align, it's almost like a really good PS radar. Like, if, right. if I can if I can see that, then my respect for you drops. And, um, and I think that's hard, like, because then I have a hard time you know, you, you trust until you don't have a reason to, I need a lot of people to prove themselves before I can trust them. Sure. And there are a ton of people, like hardly anybody in the world that I would say I 100% trust, which sure is my own issues, right? Trust issues. But, right. um, but I think there was an immediate trust with us. And yes. I think it really did start from the place of strengths that you called those things out in me that were unrecognized. Um, and help me to step up into myself. Like you have been one of the greatest mentors in my life because oh. you have constantly like spoken into my unique talents and asked me to act on those. Not just saying like, you're good and you can do it and I trust you and go for it, right? But saying, I want to lean into you and I want to run the, this thing by you, this specific example of this report or this mm-hmm. question that I have because I trust and I value your opinion um, and I know you're equipped to be able to do that. And so exactly what you said you recognized in me, I think trust and rapport was built with you because you recognized those things in me and then explicated them to me. Um, so I think with with partnerships that haven't been the best and I definitely am not we joke I'm not the easiest person to work with sometimes like I've never gotten a gift sent to me from this podcast (laughs) I think Allie's on like number 10 but um there are there's there's one person who listens Joan we got to give a shout out to her that we met in um in DC that actually she um gives gifts to both of us so I appreciate that um because that's yeah usually joint gifts are the only ones I'm privy to (laughs) so everything goes right to you but um it's okay I'm not hurt by it um but anyway so um send gifts yes no don't gifts as in g-i-f-t-s not gifts um no anyway but um but yeah so i think um golly gee i lost my train of thought but for um partnerships that didn't work partnerships that did not work well i think um for me so much of value it a lot of it goes back to competency uh so if if you tell me something that i can on my BS radar, know that you don't have the data to back that up, that you're making a sweeping statement and Mm -hmm. you don't cite your source or you don't give me the raw data and I can't replicate it. Uh, To me, that's faulty information. And I, here's a, here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip. Get it from you. So this is a pro tip that I just want to put out there to everybody, but just honestly to think about the way that we honor people. Your role Mm -hmm. is data and research. Yep. So here's a pro tip. If you want to build a working rapport with someone and it's their area, yeah. go to them. Yeah. Yep. So I go to you because also because I don't know that I know if I'm running it correctly. I could guess. I could assume that I have enough civic core awareness to do it, but I would rather just get it from the right Lean source. On the strengths, right? And I think that's what I appreciate. And I, I don't think anyone intentionally like dissuades me or gives me data that isn't accurate. Um, But I think a lot of people are just so busy around here that people assume that they're actually honoring my strengths when they do it themselves rather than asking me for it. And I think that that then is a misinterpretation of strengths. Whereas I would much rather you ask me about it and I can run it for you and we can dialogue and we can process through this information together than you running it yourself and getting an end result that maybe isn't accurate or maybe wasn't run in the right way because the system is so nuanced. And so I think relying on people's expertise is important for me. It also honors your learner 
mm-hmm. because it may be something you haven't thought about yeah. yet. Yep. And mm-hmm. so sometimes when people are asking you a question, I can literally see that, I mean, I can't think of what meme that is, but it's where the all the oh, equations yeah. <laughs> pop up. I can see you thinking about, oh, I wonder if I ran this with this and this and this. Mm-hmm. So I think it not only honors you because it's your role, but it honors that you haven't maybe yet thought about it that way. Yeah. And you're so open to learning. Mm-hmm. So not only would it not offend you and it would honor you, it would also open you to maybe something that you haven't explored yet. Yeah. And so I think that's where when we lean in, we need to think about, might this honor someone? Yeah. So when I ask my mom and my sister, or my mom and my sister, daughter, my mom and my daughter <laughs> to do that, it honored them yeah, because it's something that they get joy in doing. And you could have just done it yourself, right? Right. Like you could have thrown but it. But I would not have found joy mm-hmm. in it. And I mm-hmm. now have joy in the way that it looks. Yeah. That's cool. And so I love this conversation because, I mean, for you, a lot of it boils down to respect and perceived competency and professionalism. Mine boils down to like integrity, but it's also, I think, perceived integrity. So we need to be aware of our bias and our assumptions Mm -hmm. that we bring to the table, our own wounds that we bring to the table, such as a lack of trusting people or too much trust in people, right? We're on ends of the spectrum. But then also I love this conversation because we're talking about great partnership based on differing strengths, but it's about more than that. Yeah. Right. Nothing that we named is a successful partnership is me partnering with someone with woo in their top five right. and not a successful partnership is someone that right. I partnered with that has this strength. Right. That it doesn't all boil down to that. And I think we need to realize that 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 strengths is about our talents. It's about our behavior. We can often uh, tie it back to our intentions. But the way that we work with people is so much more encompassing than just the talents that we bring to the table. Although that's a great place to start, great place to build teams and a great place to deepen a relationship. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it has to do with what are the other underlying things that need to to be in place to make a partnership successful mm-hmm. and that you know being respect competency you know shared value shared acceptance uh, integrity or even awareness of those yeah. things yeah just to step back and say mm-hmm. I can't make an assumption that this is all around yeah. different strengths mm-hmm. we've had some dialogue with people who say okay well I have harmony in my top five and so does my spouse or my partner yeah. is that bad no, no. It doesn't mean that just because you both have that in your top five, it's going to look exactly the same and it won't be a complimentary partnership. I mean, to me, that's going to be a really peaceful relationship. (laughs) I mean, truly. But I also think about balance. So Mm -hmm. we just had the um, autumn equinox yesterday, and that is all about balance. And Mm -hmm. so when we, we dive into strengths or when we lean in or we talk about values or we create the house, all of those things everybody's showing up with their own sense of balance. Like this is important to me, but maybe this isn't as important to me. This is one of my strengths. This is maybe one of my lesser talents. So I've been thinking so much about how you and I balance each other really well. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm not proficient, I know you can be. Mm-hmm. And I, there are so many times when I'm doing a presentation by myself that I will sometimes now say out loud, oh, I wish Tess was here to explain this. <laughs> because you bring validity with data. You are able to say, and this is the 0.8 validity of this instrument, basically saying that this is an 80%. They can predict up to 80% that if you take strengths again, that is so fascinating to me because it's human behavior mm-hmm. and people are so yeah. unpredictable. Mm-hmm. 
that I love that statistic, but I never say it exactly the same way you do mm. because it comes from your place of integrity. Mm-hmm. Why you believe in strengths mm-hmm. has a whole lot to do with that. Yeah. If we were building a foundation yeah. on another Superfund survey, it, it would not work. Mm-mm. And I know that about you. And yeah. again, so back to the professionalism, the competence, but it's also, it comes down to the mm-hmm. integrity piece too. So I think that's important for our mm-hmm. listeners to know about us. Yeah. Also, I think we have very different reasons for why. Yeah. We also have very different reasons for the what. Mm-hmm. And our how is completely different <laughs> from both the strength perspective and the generational perspective. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure and mention that I miss Bob Seeger by three days in Rapid City. And he was <laughs> literally, Bob Seeger, the whole reason that we started this podcast, the total reason, but a good funny story about why. <laughs> Bob Seeger was literally across the street from where I stayed in Rapid. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> if I could have been at a Bob Seeger concert and been able to capture that generationally, oh. I love telling that story because you get to see the reaction of yeah. people who know who Bob Seeger is and then the camaraderie of people who don't. Don't, yep. <laughs> And I think that is so nice when you see, oh, we have both. Mm -hmm. And now we have a whole group who, I mean, we have a a Gen Z that would be completely oblivious or well-educated because of the way that their music taste has brought them, you know. And now Bob Seger is on Spotify, which which he, he was not for a very, very long time. He went against. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well a nice long podcast for you all Uh, lots of great conversations lots of great questions to ponder so a few things we would like to follow up on we love to hear your favorite spirit day or and or the worst homecoming theme that you ever experienced or worst dance theme you ever experienced (laughs) when you were in middle school high school Um, love to hear a little bit about that with lots of homecomings and spirit weeks and such happening in our communities Um, we would love to hear um, a little bit if you were at strength day any takeaways any thoughts anything that you loved anything that you would improve um, from this last strength day that we had um, and then finally, think about great partnerships in your life and think about partnerships that did not work well. And what was it about the great partnerships that worked well? And what wasn't? What, what was it about the partnerships that didn't work so well? Like, why do you think they did not work well? Um, yeah, I think it'll be good to hear some responses from that. We always love when you send in your responses to uh, the questions and activations that we give in the podcasts. Um as we we love to hear that our conversations go further than just us. Yeah. I think it's surprising. It's scary. I feel like I always <laughs> need to be like, oh gosh, okay, I forget people actually listen to this. And then um, but we also love to hear hear your responses. Anything you'd add? No, I think this has just been a great dialogue and I'm very grateful for it. And um, with episode 51, I would love to hear from people what topics have we not yet covered mm-hmm. that you'd like to see us get yeah. into. Yep. Um, I think there's some on our trajectory for this year ahead mm-hmm. that might be interesting from the generational perspective, okay. um, particularly um, with some new fun um, hip things that are happening in the world. Um, so I would love to hear from our listeners. Um, what are some of the things that they would love to hear our dialogue about? Yeah. I love that we respectfully disagree often. Mm-hmm. That's a it's my real, favorite. <laughs> it is for me too, because I think there needs to be more of that today. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay to respectfully disagree. Absolutely. And I think we model it well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you do hear us get spirited at times when we <laughs> feel very differently, but I think that's an important part. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 51 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend um, and interact with us and share your responses to the questions that we posed in this episode. You can do so by following us on Instagram. It's the best way to reach us at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.